This this message has been sitting in my head for a while. Um, it's this one, right, Howard? Yeah. yeah, okay. So I appreciate Brother Howard for, for leading us through the time of worship. Um, and again, sorry for, the, uh, sorry for the awkward title, What Happens When the Great Stuff We See in the Bible Does Not Reflect What We See Around Us. But I imagine that it's at least fairly close to my heart most days. Um, yesterday... Emily and I were at a Michael's uh, store, you know, the arts and crafts store, and all of a sudden we heard this, right, and uh, I just looked over and, you know, one, one of the adult, uh, I don't know what background they are from, but like one of the mothers dropped a, a large ornament and the thing shattered in a million pieces on the ground, and then uh, Emily comes over and is like, well, how come she's not picking it up, right, because again, all that glass and if a little kid comes over and picks it up, guess what? They're wearing shards of glass or another person trips over the glass and falls. Uh, and now you have a lawsuit on Michael's hands. And so, and I caught myself going, being judgmental. I said, you know, she's not very loving. Like, I cannot believe she's not picking up, at least trying to pick up the pieces or notifying someone out of love and care for the people in the store. And then I thought about it this morning, like, I didn't help out, right? I didn't bother walking the 17 feet over to the, the display area and and being of assistance. So um, when we talk about this sort of message, I guess the two things I want to hammer home before I, before I pray for us, there's the part that we own up to, that we're responsible for, and then there's a part where we observe a lot of pain and suffering in the world, and that's really sort of, I want us gearing towards asking God, what is it that I'm supposed to do about this, right? And yes, in a normal situation, had I been half awake, half asleep, you know, I would have gone over and tried to grab one of those caution cones and just stick it on top of all the broken glass, right? But I was being, in, uh, to be honest, I was being more judgmental of the, of the mother that would not be there for other kids in, in the store by letting all that shattered glass sit around. So, so it speaks to, you know, God convicting my heart of, frankly, not being a hypocrite about the stuff I preach about. So, um, so let us uh, pray, and uh, hopefully this sermon hits home for, for all of us, including myself. Uh, God, thank you for this congregation. I'm grateful for the privilege to come speak uh, monthly to them, and I pray that this message in particular hits home for some of the uh, younger hurting people in the room, maybe older hurting people in the room, maybe just hurting, Father, including myself. And so I pray that you would comfort our hearts, help us see a little more clearly as to maybe why we blame ourselves, and really we know that we can't blame ourselves. We are your children, uh, like, like Brother Howard led us in the worship. And we ultimately know we can go to you, Father. And that, that's comforting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So I don't know if you all watched the Super Bowl last week. Um, but one of my friends, uh, who's a youth pastor in Texas, had not tweeted in about seven months. And then this was the tweet that he sent during the game. So if you understand football, you understand the, the sarcasm here. But he says, wow, what a great run, run down the stretch by Stafford to seal the, green, to seal the game. Friends, you know who else went to the cup because this receiver is called Cooper Cup. So who else, you know who else went to the cup when his time was almost done, open with me to Luke 22. So it's talking about Jesus there. So it's a little bit of stunted humor. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad my youth pastor friend is still okay because this is the first time anyone's heard from him in about seven months. So anyway, I hope I don't do those sort of awkward transitions into a sermon for you guys. I just sort of launched straight in, but this was, a, to me, humorous as a sports fan. And I'm sure Brother Jimmy can understand that as well. Um, so let's read through the passage, because this is the first time you all be reading through it. And again, I, I love um, Brother Jerry's and Brother Howard's you know, uh, 
combination of the, the scripture reading and the, the uh, worship songs leading up into this because, again, this will be a familiar message to many of us. And yet there's always that wrinkle that Brother Gary always tries to throw in there to help us be, uh, frankly, more loving to God and, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And so this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Okay. In my line of work, I'm a marriage and family therapist. So we talk about should being a negative word. Why would that be, congregation? Why, why, would, the, why would the term should be a negative word for us? Yes. Okay. I should be a better husband to Emily. Okay. I should be here on time. We were stuck on Highway 17 and we were a few minutes late. Okay. So the idea is that there's a, there's a level of perfection expected. We should love one another. We should be there for each other. And yet sometimes, how many of us have, you know, raise, raise of hands, like how many of us have felt lonely the past two years? You know, very lonely, right? So, and this is someone that preaches the word. I'm around a lot of people all day. And I felt utterly lonely during some of the past two years. And so, awkwardly, this author talks about should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So, immediately in this part of the passage, it's an awkward jump into Cain and Abel. Okay. But remember this, you know, the people that heard the message at that point in time only heard it. They were not necessarily as uh, smart as we are, you know, smart modern times. And so they often heard the word. And so what I believe um, is, is the, the, the reason why they jump straight to we should love one another but look at Cain and Abel or look what Cain did to Abel is it highlights just how much someone went off the far path okay, and, and not loving, loving one another. Okay. Let's skip ahead to 13 and 14. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Wow. So now we're talking about not just murdering our brother in, in Genesis, but also that if, do not be surprised if the world hates us. Okay. Um, each time I come back, uh, you know, I'm always keeping an eye on, on who's here and who's not here. And it's always great to see the, the same familiar faces, but I also know some faces that are not around. And so I hope that we pray for them. We invite them to eat, you know, or eat safely, obviously. Or we check in on them because, again, it's easy for us to slip through the cracks. But we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So, again, I, I hammered this home point probably numerous times the last year and a half or so. But for the person sitting in your chair back in the old times, they needed to hear very opposite concepts. So, in other words, you should love one another. You should love one another a lot. Do not be like Cain who murdered his brother. So there's very vivid examples to where it'll hit home for people to remember it. And so do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Now, I want to clarify one thing, congregation. There are folks, um, before I met Emily, I lived with someone that used to, um, you know, I rented an apartment with someone that uh, would go on the street and basically do street preaching. And, you know, if you ever go down, down downtown San Jose, they'll be the ones on the microphone saying, Repent! Jerry, young man, you know, or you will go to hell, right? Now, depending on how you feel about that, I don't pretend to know where everyone feels, but this person felt very good about going out in public before Sharks games, screaming at people for three hours, and then coming home and then, you know, talking to me like I was his roommate, okay? Love one another, okay? I don't know if that really means love one another, but uh, this person often bragged about, you know, being able to yell at, you know, 30 people in, a, in an evening, so... Um, I'm not certain that that's what the, the author of the passage is talking about here. What I think he's suggesting is be surprised. Do not be surprised if you being who you are, 
as uh, Christians, brothers and sisters, that people will oppose you. That's a huge difference than the whole world hates you. But I think some people have taken the message and gone out and run out to the streets and saying, if you don't follow God, you hate God and you hate me. It's a bit prideful, right? And, and so I want us to sort of understand that. I, I think by default being Christian, like by being Christians, we will get opposition regardless, okay? Um, and so anyone who does not remain, does not love remains in death. And what that implies is, again, if I haven't found God, then really what I'm sentenced to is a spiritual death, that, I, that I'm separated from God in eternity. Not love and death as in like the romantic type we just celebrated on Valentine's Day. Okay. Um, anyone who hates... So again, very strong implications here, but I, I think we'll understand why, why so strong. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So in other words... Um, it's not a clean example, but if you've ever in math, who are my math people in the room? Anyone great at math? All right. So a negative integer, what does a negative integer do, Brother Jimmy? Or Brother Howard, or anyone that does math. I don't pretend to say just the men, but what does a negative integer do, as far as I understand? Anyone remember? Okay, it, it reduces the size of the other number it's introduced with, right? But what is it actually converted into? It converts anything positive into negative. negative. Yeah. So a negative integer basically destroys anything that, in terms, if we think positive and negative, the negative integer turns anything that's a positive number in, into, into a negative result. And so wh- what I'm saying here is sort of a math conundrum, is that if I say, I really love Brother Jerry, but I hate Emily, it's really like I cannot talk out of the, both sides of my mouth. Okay. And... Um, there's a phrase in my dialect, I speak uh, a village version of Cantonese at home, or I try to. My, I, I listen very well, but I don't talk it back. But uh, my wife would, or my mom would always say, uh, I'm not going to say it in Chinese, but it translates to, I say three things, but I mean four things. Do you guys understand that? So, so I say three things out of my mouth, but really what I mean is four or five or six. Okay? So I'm really lying out of my, lying out of my side of my mouth. And so that's what I think they're implying here in terms of the original, uh, original Greek. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is really a murderer. In other words, you do not want to love them and show them the love of God. And know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So it makes it very clear in very distinct terms. Uh, and this is a Captain Obvious thing, but if we murder folks... Right, and so that's... Um, but of course, as someone that, that works in prisons, um, I'm sort of working against my own sort of sermon here. But... On the latter part of verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So we hear in these original couple of verses, basically, um, we should love another, but then Cain murdered his brother um, because his actions were evil. Um, You know, the world might hate you just for being who you are as a believer. And then we get to sort of the meat and potatoes of, of, for us as Christians, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so I love that um, Howard chose the older song, My Glorious, right? Every time I hear those older um, worship songs, whether it's through Vineyard or um, I forget the name of the other one, Hillsong, there's another one after that. You hear these large crowds of people worshiping God and you hear them you know, clapping, you hear them screaming. And part of me, to, to be very honest, thought about this. We're in the small room of 11 to 12 people. How come we can't be like that? 
right? How come we can't be like that that congregation of 17,500, right? Um, was when Emily and I went to New York to vacation four week, four years ago. We went to a church in Manhattan. Is that right? Yeah, um, it was like a converted theater. So in other words, everyone, there was three levels of people. And frankly, I spent the first part looking at the chandelier. And I was just looking at the chandelier because I'm prone to being a little attentive, you know, attention deficit disorder, but I was just staring how beautiful the chandelier is. And I wish I'd included the picture. So all of the beautiful stuff really took me away from worshiping God for about 40 minutes, okay? Until finally just sort of woke up and, and got back together in the act of worshiping. But So I think, again, I, I want us thinking of this. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's, what, that's been what I've been taught since the beginning of my, my faith journey. But I imagine there's a few of us in the room where you're like, I swear to you, Brother Gary, no one has laid down their life for me on this planet. And in fact, only Jesus is the only one that loves me a lot. Is that fair for some of us? It's fair for me. I mean, I, I know Emily loves me. I know Brother Jimmy loves me. But I, I've never experienced the same love as I've had uh, with God. You know, um, and I, I don't think anything will ever match that, to be quite fair. Sorry, honey. Um, and so they jump on further. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, so you guys see the progression here. I, I kill my brother. Don't kill your brother here. Um, you know, the world will probably dislike you a lot for being who you are. But then really we need to follow Christ and his example of laying down his life for us. And then it gets to sort of a realistic application, which frankly I still struggle with. I just told you guys I wanted to help out yesterday, but I, w- I basically spent too much time judging the person that dropped, the, dropped all the stuff and shattered the floor and uh, trying to judge them. Okay. So even your speaker is prone to these fits of, of weirdness. Okay. And so if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, okay, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Okay. Why would why would this why would the um, the author go straight to this as the closing part of this couple of verses? Anyone want to hazard a guess? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Aren't we people that speak in words or speech? I'm going to stretch out my back a little bit, but. Are we people that communicate? You know, hi, Brother Jerry, great to see you. Lay off the McDonald's, lay off the Popeye's, Gary. You know, good to see you, Brother Jerry. Thank you for the, you know. We communicate in words and speech. So why is someone of the scripture saying, let's, let's, let's really focus on actions and truth? And I think this is part of one of the big truths that will come out for today's sermon. Anyone want to take a guess? Ooh, okay. So talk can be cheap. Why is that, Brother Howard? Because um, it doesn't show necessarily high-level commitment. Yeah. Okay. So if I, I wish there was a way to laser write this on the thing. I know it's, the technology is not there, but there's involves a commitment if, if I'm being serious about love. Okay. Meanwhile, I can talk about love. You know, at the same store yesterday at Michael's, uh, guess how much percent off all the Valentine's Day stuff was already? We're only five days away from it, but anyone want to take a guess? How much percentage off all the Valentine's Day stuff was? 100. 80%? Okay. Well, 50%, yeah. So I think the New Year stuff was 80%, but uh, it was already 
Is that how cheap love is? At least here in the world it is, okay? We could have, I should have brought the sign in, the $7 sign. It just says um, something like, you fill me with love or something like that. It was a large sign, but it was only 7 bucks. Okay. And I don't know, who are my bargain shoppers in the room? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, just me and Howard, huh? <laughs> so, um, so it locks the commitment. Okay. And yet we are creatures that use this, this thing underneath the mask to, to speak and to talk. Okay. Why else would we want to show love with, with actions and truth? Yes, Anne. Yes. You know, how, how, how long ago, or what's the earliest age you, you were taught that, Anne? Yeah, you've heard it a lot. Enough, right? Um, so actions speak louder than truth. Okay. And so this sort of hammers on the point in verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. So we're not even talking about seeing someone in need and not giving to them not offering whatever's in our wallet, but basically not being able to sit in their shoes and understand why they are they why they are where they are. Okay. Do you guys maybe understand how for someone that, you know, in, in my line of work as a counselor and someone that cares, if I have no pity on someone, think about how damaging that is, how hypocritical that is. Okay. So that's what I'm sort of hammering home is that uh, in here, the church is being reminded, hey, you know, and this, of course, this is back then with the goats and sheep and chickens and, you know, a much more simpler time. But if you look at other people in your church and cannot feel any pity for them at all, and at that point in time it was particularly probably single mothers or women, uh, children that maybe had leprosy, people that had leprosy. Okay, So there were clearly people that were off in that corner with the woodpecker, right? That's where we'd put them if we were in the old times, right? And so... So dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And so our sister here has heard that since the beginning. And Brother Howard talked about um, essentially love involves a commitment. Okay. You all commit to be here every Sunday. Okay. I really hope it's not just to show up when Gary shows up, because that would be weird. right? But, but in all seriousness, we show up every Sunday because we love God and we want to love His people. Okay. And so this is how we know... Um, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Okay. Again, strong terms. Um, in the legal system, what does condemn mean? Anybody? Anybody that's been watching Law and Order or any old criminal justice shows? What does condemn mean? Guilty. Guilty. You are guilty as charged, Brother Jerry, of eating too much fried food, just like me. Okay. We sentence you to kale salad and, you know, uh, grape, grape juice, okay? Just kidding, for both of us. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, if our hearts, uh, so we know that we belong to the truth, meaning belonging to God, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, so if we feel guilty, we know that God is greater than our hearts. That is an awkward thing to say in this language, isn't it? Okay. If I feel guilty about the negative stuff that I do, and God knows everything, Therefore, we must know that God's greater than our hearts. I don't know how to make that make sense for you and me in math terms, but I think what, what I'll sort of give an example is, congregation, is in the work that I used to do in the prisons, there were people that never felt guilt at all for anything they've done, murder, mayhem, 
carjacking, you name it, right? Any sort of the crimes you can read about, and they didn't feel guilty at all. So at that point in time, uh, oftentimes when I would talk with the chaplains, the people that would come in with with the, the word of God, they would often tell me, hey, Gary, how come that person over there doesn't feel bad at all about what they do? And I said, they just don't, right? And so even you have people that, 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 that know the gospel that would read this passage and not understand why that, that person that was in that jail cell could not feel guilty about what they've done. Okay. Just absolutely would not feel guilty at all. Okay. So in this case, I'm hoping that's not of us, but in the room, if, if we know that we feel guilty about stuff, I legitimately felt guilty, like I felt bad because I didn't want a kid to fall into that pile of glass and then end up screaming, right? One of the worst sounds you can hear for the mothers in the room is to hear your kids screaming, right? And yet I didn't do anything about it. Okay. I feel guilty about it. Okay. And so I hope that makes sense. The, the fact that it's not good that I feel guilty about it, but the guilt reminds me that God is greater than my weird heart, than my, my sick heart, and that he knows everything about me, that I'm capable still of, of being there for other people, uh, and, and I need to get better at it. Okay? I hope that makes sense. Uh, not that the guilty part is the most important part, but it reminds us how uh, God is greater than our hearts, and, and he has to be. And so jumping ahead, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him every, anything we ask because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. So going back to Brother Howard's terms, when we make a commitment, I don't think it's an accident that those words sound similar, commandment, commands and commitment. We commit to doing God's commands. Okay? We commit to um, loving other people and doing what pleases God, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, as Brother Jerry mentioned earlier. So this sounds, again, I said last month, this, this sounds easy enough for us to do. And yet I think there's some problematic things in our own lives uh, that I want to talk about in a little, little while. And then finally at the end of the passage, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. Again, we see commanded. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So, again, if, if there is any time where you feel specifically, man, I don't know if I, I really am a Christian or if I don't know if I really follow God, read through this passage again. Follow, follow the, the uh, gradation from look at that evil Cain who killed his brother, look at the people of the world's going to hate you, to really, it, it, the lens goes on other people, and ultimately the lens goes on us and God. Okay? And so... I can't think of another 14 uh, verses in the Bible where it essentially walks you through, hey, I, at least I care for my wife. I care for Brother Jerry. I care for everyone in the room. Okay, so I haven't murdered my brother yet. That's a good thing, hopefully. Um, but I really need to focus on me and God, the relationship that I have with me and God and the commitment that I've made to him. Okay. And so what context for this passage in terms of uh, it coming up in my, my weird brain and, and it coming out today in, in the sermon Let's look at verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who's, who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So this is a variation of the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, where uh, the, the teachers of the law were challenging Jesus, like, what is the greatest law? And they're trying to get, a, get Jesus to prioritize the greatest law. And so Jesus says, okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Um, and so the main themes of this epistle are love and fellowship with God. Uh, the author describes various tests 
And I want to be careful in the way test is used here. Okay, I, I'm, I'm in the camp of people that, that says God doesn't test us per se, like we're taking a multiple choice exam. So as a professor, I've done away with all multiple choice exams because I don't think it's really a, a way to teach people. Okay, I do more essays okay? because a multiple choice, I'm just going to go A, B, C, D, E, A, E. Right. So it doesn't require a whole lot of using my brain and heart. Um, and so I, I just want to clarify, I don't think we mean tests like God is going to test Howard by putting him in an uncomfortable leading worship position today. Okay? It's more of these tests exist so that they either confirm our relationship with God or they strengthen our relationship with God. Okay? Um, so by which readers may ascertain whether or not their communion with God is genuine and teaches that the proof of spiritual regeneration is a life of active righteousness. So there isn't... Um, I use the example of plants. How many of you guys have plants or stuff that you guys upkeep? Okay. How often do you have to water the plant? Often? Okay. Um, how often do you have to fertilize if it's a backyard? Okay. So there is no... When we talk about regeneration of this plant in your lovely life, uh, there is an active commitment, like Brother Howard suggested, and uplifting the plant. So when I had my grandmother's, I inherited my grandmother's uh, bamboo bamboo plant. Uh, It was dying after she died. And so I just watered it every other day, put it away from the window. And the thing grew from this to about this, right? And then it ended up in my in-laws and I don't know where it went. So so I sustained sustained the bamboo plant for for 12 years. And uh, I think I've honored my grandmother by keeping it alive. But again, you actively have to invest in plants. And so... The, the thing, the application would be in, in terms of our relationship with God and each other that we have to invest uh, actively into each other. Okay. Um, all right. So here's the thing. I'll just cover a couple of verses, and you know, one day, actually a couple of days this this time off, I've actually left my phone at home. Guess how naked I felt, everyone. <laughs> okay. uh, leaving the phone at home underneath my pillow. Why? I don't know. But, you know, I, I do my work for the day. I come home, and guess what? How many messages there are? 55 texts, uh, mainly from Emily. Um, you know, I, I just feel like I've missed out on some of my, my uh, gaming, you know, done some of my uh, uh, game app stuff, right? But essentially, I work best, I think we work best with reminders on our smartphones, apps, and tablets. And so here's an re- example biblically. In verse 11, this is a message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Again, I almost, if, I, if there's a way to, uh, there's no laser thing on this, right? Oh, let's see. Well, pretend there's a laser, right? I want to pretend to almost cross out should. Okay. And I can't fix scripture, by the way. I don't have that power. But ideally, we love one another. We just love one another, right? This goes back to what Sister Ann was saying. Um, how many of us have actually said, we love one another in the past year. Anybody? I know, it, I know it's not comfortable culturally, right? But going back to what Sister Ann mentioned, how, how often have we been shown love and demonstrated love to one another? I, I bet. Each time I come, Brother Jerry brings me some snacks. <laughs> to me, that's love, right? Because you're feeding, you're feeding your guest speaker. Okay. But have we been demonstrating love to one another? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I think so. Do you all believe so? Yeah, all, I see some hesitant nods, right? And this goes back to, again, we love one another. That's just what we do as, as Christians, okay? 
Uh, verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. So, again, sometimes I think the people that stand up here in 2022 did not get how important it was for them to say this stuff back in A.D., whatever time frame. Okay. So, um, but I just want to point out, again, the idea isn't to go out there and start making enemies of people, but just to acknowledge there are people that, um, you know, just don't have the best uh, interests at heart for us. Okay? And we need to be okay with that, frankly, because we are followers of Christ. And so that, that, that comes naturally with that. Um, in verse 16, and yet another reminder, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Okay? So, again, in our world, what, what are the two biggest things that we can give to people? Two biggest things. One starts with a T, one starts with an M. And I'll drink my water as you guys are thinking about it. Time and money. Time and money. Thank you, Brother Jared. So, um, <laughs> I was going to say, because we don't have enough of both, but that's not okay to say that. But um, time and money. Okay. And so when we think about what Christ has done for us on the cross, we literally are subtracting Jesus' life for our life as payment. Okay? Or Jesus' life as a payment to restore our life. Okay? That works as a math concept, as awkward as that sounds. Okay? And so this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. But when you hear Brother Jerry say time and money, okay, those are the two exact areas where we are the most selfish as, as believers, if we're being honest with ourselves. Okay? Time and money. Right. So one way to think about it, this sort of guides the application process of it. If, you know, um, Jonathan, I need your support in knowing calculus, right? That one of the most loving things that Jonathan could give me, if calculus is your thing, but um, is to devote time to tutor me on a, on a knowledge, on an area that I have no knowledge of. Okay. In this case, um, one of the biggest things that my wife has done the past two months, this is exactly two months since the car accident, is she has driven me around everywhere. Now, driving is your, what, least favorite thing? Or second to least favorite thing? Okay, so time and money. Okay, especially time. Right, so, so I want us thinking in terms of we can't mimic what Christ did for us on the cross. There's not a cross anywhere, but we can't mimic what Christ did for us on the cross but we can be considerate in what we offer other people as, as fellow believers. So, um, you know, back, uh, I think it was Anne's family, or someone's family made, made us these snacks, and they were just so good. Like, but it, I know it takes time to bake stuff. It takes time to prepare it. It takes time to wrap it. It takes time to, and resources to put it in a pretty box. Okay. So that, that's how we know that, that, frankly, I'm not saying love is through service, but that's, that's a signal of the love we have for each other. Okay. And then last but not least, um, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And that is critical. Okay? Um, what's critical in my line of work as a marriage and family therapist is that when the person calls and says, Hi, Mr. Gary, uh, I'd like you to counsel my daughter Emily. She's trying to get back into Davis, but she's struggling with depression. And if I tell the person depression, right? So if I act like I have no clue what I'm doing, the person hangs up and, you know, I can't help them. Okay. So it's important for us to know that if we feel guilty again, not that we hold on to the guilt, but if we generally feel bad about not being able to be there for 
God and for our neighbor, that's okay. That God knows everything. He knows our hearts. Okay? It's weird logic, I know, because we're not taught that in our houses, in our, in our mostly Asian American homes, but this makes sense scripturally, that God knows us already, that, that God's greater than our hearts, and so if we feel genuinely bad about something, we go to him. Okay. That's what I meant to say earlier. The, the, math, the math works out that way when we do that. Okay? All right. So this brings me back to the sermon title, awkwardly. <laughs> what happens when the great stuff we see in the Bible does not reflect what we see around us? Okay. How many of you all remember a movie, beautiful movie in 2007, which I know is older than maybe one or two of you, uh, called Wally? I just remember Wally, okay? So there's a scene in Wally, if you remember the movie. Uh, he's watching uh, a video, old video screen. So I'll look this way. He's, he's looking at an old video screen, and he's observing a couple dancing and being romantic with each other. And what does Wally do? Do you all remember? I'm sort of already giving, away, giving it away. He puts out his two, whatever these things are, and you know, not knowing how to hold hands with someone, he actually tries to hold the hands himself. That part made me cry because <laughs> I was a single guy at the time. And that's literally how I felt about love. Okay. And so he sees this beautiful human couple dancing in the street and you know, dancing in the rain and being romantic. But you see him sort of like mimic and, and do this, right? And of course, when he meets Eva, his love interest, now he's trying to show her how to love, right? And so it's not until what happens, Wally nearly sacrifices his life to get the plant that saves the earth. And gives it to Eva. Okay. Does that not sound familiar? Okay. So, so there's a sacrificial component to this love. And yet, you have this, this uh, metal object thingy that's literally trying to make it work without really having context for how that works. And so I suspect for some of us, especially myself growing up in a home uh, where there was not a lot of what I would call biblical love, I've literally been most of my life almost like Wally trying to make sense of it, right? And so um, we were talking about this morning, like I'm not here today, congregation, without a youth pastor, two youth workers that cared for me. Uh, one was my cousin, um, someone that basically watches my career from the East Coast make, to make sure I'm okay, right? So it literally takes a village to raise a believer. And so, uh, so I want us to understand that even if you feel like you're Wally, like you're like, I have no clue what they're talking about here. That guy always comes every month and talks about love. We have that example in scripture of God's love, but really what I want to challenge some of us, especially in the congregation who are serving, what did Sister Anne say? We model that. We have to, we have to show it. We have to, you know, actions speak way louder than words. Okay. And so here's some uneasy applications. Okay. I say uneasy because they're uneasy for me. I remember yesterday I almost yelled at the lady that dropped the uh, glass thing at Michael's without helping out. Okay. Hypocrite. That's, that's what we call it. Okay. Uh, we cannot fight our biology most of the time. And so our biology has us, has us constantly looking for potential dangers around the corner for the purpose of quick identification and quicker response. Okay? So let's say a orange kitty cat walks through the door. Do we all run? Hopefully not, right? It's a cute kitty cat, right? How about a Bengal tiger? Then we're running. Okay, As long as I am staying ahead of a solia, then I... You know, I'm just kidding. But um, as long as I can take off through the door quicker than, you know, than Brother Jerry, then I'm cool, right? Because I'm not, I'm not the, the Bengal tiger's lunch, right? How about a beautiful little puppy dog? Free puppy. Yay, free puppy. Okay. 
What if it was a large bear? Right? Now, none of us are making it out alive. So what I'm saying is that we're constantly scanning for things that don't make sense to us. And so in other words, we are fine-tuned to look for things that look off or odd, such as things that don't seem right to us. So we are very attuned to when we read Scripture and we're like, you know, Emily comes to me and says, Gary, you haven't sacrificed any time for me today. Why are you watching basketball for the 15th hour? She's right. Okay, I need to sort of, you know, feel guilty, acknowledge to God, like I've been an awful husband today. Where do you want to go? Let's go to Michael's, right? Just kidding. But um, So that, that's what I want us to think about, is that we're already fine-tuned to look for things that are off. And so we will figure out, you know, this, this line here, uh, comforting lies versus unpleasant truths. I'm not saying those things, but I'm saying things that seem off to us, where God is love, God is love and God loves us, and then this person we live with or, or we are friends with does not demonstrate the same love. We're always looking for differentials, um, I think that's that's the thing in calculus differentials. Um, so we hold off on judgment and ask God, what do we do? Okay. I think that's fair, right? Uh, because a lot of our biology says we're always looking for dangerous things. And if it's a kitty cat, yay, kitty cat. But if it's a tiger, then we need to run and run and run and run and to keep ourselves alive. Okay, uneasy application number two. We immediately blame God, the one trying to love and care for us, or others, instead of realizing we own some responsibility. And so it's clear in the passage, and I think Brother Howard and Sister Anne hinted to it, love one another as God commanded us. So I I think, if anything, what I want to say is an an uncomfortable thing to say because I'm just as guilty of it as any one of us in the room. If we're saying, man, why can't that mother pick up the glass shards? I have no clue what she's thinking at the time. I don't know what trauma she suffered. I don't even know if she understands how bad glass shards are on a, on a store floor. But what I can't control is what, congregation? If I see it, can I do something about it? Yeah. Okay. So instead of judging her, I can be of help. I can bring a bunch of you know towels in the bathroom or whatever, cover that whole area of shards of glass, or I can tell Emily, hey, stay away from the glass. We'll get this thing you know, cleaned up. But doing nothing and then judging the person, hypocrite, hypocrite alert, hypocrite, hypocrite. So, um, so it's clear in the past is love one another as God commanded us. And so instead of blaming anyone else, really it's sort of the finger needs to go back to myself. Okay? And then uneasy application number three, how do we go about loving the people that are causing such a disruption in us? Meaning in number one, where we see, man, you know... I, I, I feel like I'm growing a lot in the church. I appreciate Sister Asolia. I love Brother Jimmy's and Brother Jerry's you know, guest speakers. But I come back home to this. And that's one of the toughest things that I grew up with, uh, having you know, non-believers as parents. And so, um, so maybe if I had gone back in, in the time machine 30 years, maybe I could say this to myself. But here's the application. Take care of what's on and around our spiritual property. Tend to our own responsibilities. So... If I were to speak to 8th grade Gary that, is, that was having the most difficult time in my house, I would say, what can 8th grade Gary control? So anyone want to jump in? What could 8th grade version of me control at that point in time? This is tough, right? Because this is some of our homes. This is some of our marriages. This is some of our intimate relationships. What would you tell 8th grade Gary, who had non-Christian parents and was, was really having a difficult time coping because church was so cool and everything else was not so cool? 
Anyone? Because I guarantee you, this might solve some of our problems immediately, by the way. Yes? Praise Jesus at church. I'd come home and be like, "Oh well." You don't think my mom picked up on that? Okay. And to this day, I, I feel guilty, right? Because again, I had the gospel um, and didn't do a great job of modeling the gospel, even as a 14-year-old, to my mom. And thankfully, my neighbor, who's a Christian, is now ministering to my mom. So that the irony is not—the irony is very, very rich with me and God. Okay. What other stuff could I have done? So excellent, excellent job. You know, the reality is I had two separate worlds. I had the Bible. I had my youth pastor giving me uh, journals and stuff. But really it's to know that God loves me, to truly like embrace the fact that God loves me. Okay. You can bet I did not do that until maybe college. Okay. So again, I don't mean to make this my confessional time frame, but I'm saying for some of us who are struggling, this is wonderful, and then I get in my car and go home and not so wonderful. I'm single, or my dating partner stinks. Maybe I'm in a bad employment relationship. Right? We control the part of you know uh, the example that that I heard on the radio was, uh, and it wasn't from Osteen, but it was from someone else. Um, They said, uh, if the if the trash falls on your driveway, who's responsible for that trash on your driveway? Me. Okay. Now, if it's on the other people's driveways, we have no control over that. Okay. And in, in counseling, we call that boundaries. Okay, so we are to ask God how to truly love them. And to this day, um, remember time and money, brother Jerry. So whenever I go to lunch with my mom and dad, it's always us treating time and money. Okay, um, and so this is my encouragement for us and most people around us. If we're being very, very honest with ourselves, this is sort of our our last thing before the easy application. Most people around us are either trying to figure things out, including your speaker today. We're in the process of figuring things out. We're struggling mightily trying to figure things out. And this last group is what breaks my heart, hopelessly not going to figure things out. We need to acknowledge that. Some people will not get the gospel, even though it's given to them wrapped up in this beautiful bow. And so the good news, God loves all of the above. We need to trust that God loves everyone. Let God take care of them and you. Uh, in therapy world, we call these boundaries. So... Your skin is your most permeable boundary, right? So it lets in the good stuff, like moisturizer. Those of us who moisturize, you know, and then, but it's also functional. It keeps out what? Ants and spiders, hopefully, or weird stuff, right? Wood chips, things like that. Okay. So think think about these as boundaries. Like you know, any number of people could be in those last two groups, and maybe one of us is in that last two groups. Okay. So we need to be more kind to ourselves, and accept that God still loves us. Okay. And so, one last consideration. This is the easy application. I think Brother Jerry nailed it already. How do we use our time as believers? Love is used over a handful of times. I believe it's seven times in this passage for the NIV. And so, here's, here's the interesting part. Follow Wally. Wally looked at old TV shows and was trying to find love. I mean, dating love, not actual God's love. But he was trying to find love by watching old tapes. And then he puts his little flippers together, right? And so it's not until he gave up 
nearly himself, but also provided life to Eva, that they find unrequited love. And I know that happens only in the movies, but I think it happens in real life too. And so we need to find godly examples of his love in the church rather than finding out the ones that don't stand out or don't fit into God's love. Do you see how the math works? Because in the world, they will say, look at that Gary guy. He says he's a Christian, but he doesn't even help out the poor lady that shattered the glass. Or to say, oh, let me look at Emily. Emily did a better example by calling the store manager and getting, you know, getting a helper in there. So, so I want us focusing more on the people in the church. And, you know, that might be Sister Asolia. That might be, um, you know, Brother Howard, right? We're, all of us are watching each other. Yeah. And so I want us to sort of figure out, okay, these are the great examples. You know, um, I have a close friend where I'm, I'm teaching their kids basketball. And I swear to you, because God's blessed their lives, um, I've never had to pay for a meal with them. Now, I'm always trying to, but he's always ripping the, the, the credit card away or the check. But basically, that I'm not saying every friendship has to be where everyone gives, but they're just so giving, and the children are so giving, and, and, uh, and the couple is so giving that they model for me what unconditional love looks like here on this planet. So, so try to look for those examples actively. And they're probably sitting in the room somewhere. Okay. Or maybe you're that person for people in the room. And we need to acknowledge, hey, maybe I can invest you know, in, in time with this particular friend this week. So can we commit to that? I, I love Brother Howard's word. Can we commit to, all right, maybe not this particular day, but I'm going to pick Uncle Jimmy's brain on how is it that you've gotten this far in your Christian life. Or let me pick on this sister and take her shopping and pick her brain as to how I deal with anxiety, right? We need to ask. We need to be open to, to approaching people, okay? So promise me that until next time I see you guys. Okay, so uh, again, uneasy application. The main one I want us to take away is the first one. Um, again, we can't fight this thing that we are, which is our evolutionary biology says we're always looking for things that are different. Remember fourth grade, like which one stands out or which, which thing looks different in this magazine, right? So we've been trained to look for odd things. And I'm saying the oddest thing would be if we forsake God and not, not look at his example through Jesus on the cross and through the people he's put in our lives. Okay? So let's, uh, let's pray and uh, we'll invite um, Brother Jerry back up here after. Uh, God, thank you for this uh, uh, time. I know I've been convicted. Maybe my heart's been shattered just ever so slightly, which I need to. And so I pray, Father, for the brothers and sisters in the room that you'd comfort them. Commit them to loving you and loving uh, uh, loving their neighbors as themselves. And I pray especially for that easy application that uh, you would bring upon each person's heart one or two people to say, hey, I want to invest time in you uh, to, to grow you. And we might call that discipleship. We might call that being a good sister or brother. Uh, for me, I call that investment in the kingdom. And so we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.